We've been looking at this how-to series, uh, lots of practical different truths, and Pastor Derek asked me, how long am I going to go? I said, well, I don't know, until people get tired of how-to, I guess. Uh, I probably have about another 20 topics uh, that I could cover, uh, and uh, actually people ask um, as well, people ask questions, and so I add it to the list of things to study out and prepare for, and uh, so we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, I've got some that are obviously right with Thanksgiving that are coming up, you know, how to be thankful even in the face of adversity, uh, you know, something like that, which is right around the corner and then coming into Christmas, how to have a great Christmas, uh, you know, and so some things like that that I've thought through, which would be fun if, if we get to it at that point. But tonight we're going to look at how to choose a church, how to choose a church. So this is very fitting for uh, George and his wife tonight because this is their first time. So they're looking uh, at, at a church tonight. So <laughs> very practical uh, this evening, how to choose a church. You go out in the world today and there's lots of different churches available, lots of different places you could go and, and uh, gather with a group of people and spend some time in the Word of God or, or worship in very different ways. And so the idea of how to choose a church, if you're in Ephesians, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. Here's where we see that uh, the love that Christ had for the church. He says here in Ephesians 5, let's just begin in verse number 23, is where the, the comparison between the relationship that the husband and wife have and the love that Christ has for the church. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. He says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He was talking about husbands and wives. He said, but ultimately what I'm trying to share with you here is the relationship that the church has with Christ and how Christ loves the church and how Christ gave himself, sacrificed it all for this church. One of the three institutions that were founded by God, the government, the home, and the church. And one of these, this, as one of the three, the church is very, very important. And I hope that you believe in your heart and mind that the church is important, that it's something that uh, you need to have as part of your life. This glorious institution is something that is should be central to our life, not something that is just added if we have time, not something that's just secondary if it might fit into our schedule, not something that's convenient if we feel like participating, but the church as a Christian, as a, as a born-again believer that, that knows that Jesus Christ died for me and saved me, forgave me of my sin... I want to, desire to be part of a church and get around God's people and get around the Word of God and, and the church to be central part of our life. And if the church is going to be a central part of our life, if it's going to be something that impacts us in such a great way, then I think it's pretty important that we determine the right church to go to that we end up in the right place. If we're going to allow something to influence us that much, then we ought to be sure we're in the right place. Amen. You know, that's important. You know, they say the old saying is you are right now or soon shall be what your friends are. And that's a fact of the matter. I mean, if you, if you start spending a whole lot of time with somebody, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I never in my life had Indian food 
until I started spending some time with Moti and Gracie. Okay, now Moti and Gracie, they, they like Indian food. And, and uh, I've had, uh, since, since then and since I've been to India and all that, uh, I'll tell you what, I enjoy Indian food. I've had a lot of Indian food, but I never in my life tried it until I started spending time with Moti and Gracie. They influenced me. They, they, they said, hey, why don't you try this? And I'm like, I don't know. That looks awful spicy to me. <laughs> They're like, no, no, Pastor, it's safe. It's, it's mild. We made it real mild. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Uh, you know, but they usually take pretty good care of me. You know, uh, they really watched out for me when we were in India because in India, yeah, they don't know the meaning of mild over there. You're like, make it mild. And they're like, oh, it's mild. It's mild. Yeah, no, it's not. But I'm saying you start spending time with somebody and they're going to influence you. So the church that we're going to be spending so much time in, we got to make sure it's the right kind of church. So how do you find that out with so many choices out there, with so many places that you could go and gather and worship? There's a lot of options. I mean, how do you find the right kind of church? What is the, the, the steps or the means in which we get there? Let me say that you need to make your choice relatively quickly. I usually tell people, visit a church three times and make up your mind. Because I, I have met and talked with people about, uh, like, well, yeah, I've been looking for a church. Oh, how long have you been looking? Well, three and a half years. You know, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> that means you're missing out. You're missing out. The church should be an important part of our life. And you want to try and find where God wants you. Get to that place and get involved. And, and, and don't spend three and a half years making up your mind. You want to you find that place, say, this is where God wants me, and then, and then get in, get involved. What you do at the church is something that holds eternal value. You know, the Bible describes everything else in this world as wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn up. There, it's, it's, you know, the majority of what we, we dedicate our time and energy to in this world has little value at all in eternity. But anything we're doing in the church is of eternal value. So we want to be sure we're in the right place. If God moves you, and it happens, I know none of you are looking for churches right now. You know, we've got a few guests tonight that might be looking. And I'll tell you, the first thing you do is if it says Hunt Valley Baptist on the front, then that's the church for you. Okay? <laughs> just write that down. Write it down right now. Just put it down. <laughs> no. Uh, so we've got a couple guests. But I'm preaching this. There's actually several people in the last few weeks on Sunday morning even asked me, well, how do you know you're in the right church? Or how do you, how do you decide what church to go to or to, to call that church your home or whatever? And, and it's not just necessarily for the people in this room, but it will be something that's available online. It will be on our sermon audio page. And you, you have a family member in another state looking. You can say, hey. Here's a message for you that might help you find some direction and, and to determine what you should do in, in finding a right church. So, first of all, I want you to think about tonight, the first thing you need to consider when you go to a church is its policies. Look into the church and, and determine what are the church's policies. Ephesians 3.21 there says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages and the world without end. Unto him be glory in the church. The church should glorify God. 
the, the focus and the effort of a church and its ministry should be to glorify God. It should not be about the programs we have or, or the, the, the lifting up of men or the magnifying of different personalities in the church. It ought to be to pointing people to Jesus Christ and, and striving to lift up God and, and, and Him alone. In 1 Corinthians 14.40, it says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Everything in the church should be done decently and in order. As a matter of policy, we want to strive to do things decently and in order. Um, we just recently went up and helped that church in Massachusetts, I believe is where it was. And anyways, we drove through New York City. And on the way back through New York City, I asked Derek, I says, where's that church at? I referenced, it's been several years ago, I talked about a church in New York City. And I actually had to go back and look it up again because I didn't remember. But I knew they had some crazy stuff. But this, this church in New York City, uh, it, it actually uh, is the founding church of Adoniram Judson. And the church is Judson Church. And they have a, a sonic youth program that provides an open space. And I'm just quoting from their website now. It has an open space where Judson's youngsters uh, and adults' voices alike are heard and listened to and shaped. It's sometimes on Sunday mornings, it's sometimes on the evenings, it's based on whatever our group is thinking about at any given week. We, we meet up, just chat, and we meet and serve in soup kitchens, we meet and see art together, we figure, out, we figure it all out as we go. We rarely talk explicitly about God, but we are obsessed with ethics, creativity, and justice. <laughs> So you could say we're basically obsessed with God, even though we don't talk about him that much. That's a quote from their website. That's their, their, that's their direction. And it's just like, oh, we, whatever we feel like today, however things are going, uh, sometimes up, sometimes down, sometimes. I, I see that, and that to me doesn't say decently and in order. It doesn't set forth a pattern of consistency or honesty no, we need to have a, a, a pattern, a consistency, a, a clarity of what's being taught from the Word of God. Not from man, not from periodicals, not from opinions, but the, the Scriptures, the Word of God. Uh, not everyone needs to pray at the same time. Not everyone talks at the same time. There's some, there's some organization to it. You know, when you look at a church and say, okay, is it organized? Is it, is, does it function well? Is it run smoothly? Is things done decently in order? Um, now, we as a church, we have a constitution that guides what we believe and uh, what, we, we, what we do, of course, as a church with regards to legal matters, but um, that functions as a guiding document for us. Um, when somebody comes to the church and they're interested in joining here, we say, hey, you need to read the constitution. You need to get the Constitution, you need to read it and see what we believe. Look at the statement of faith, see what we believe about the Word of God. And when you go to a church, the first thing you need to ask for is a copy of the Constitution. Now, not when you're on vacation, if you're traveling and passing through and you, you stop in for a church for one service. I mean, that you know, sometimes you, you get a great church like that and sometimes you don't. But you don't need to try and find out what they're teaching on a regular basis, you're just visiting but if it's a church you're considering being a part of, then you need to say, hey, could I get a copy of your constitution? I would like to see what you as a church believe. 
and uh, ask them for that. And any church should be more than happy to give you a copy of their constitution. It has their statement of faith. That's the real important part of that. There's some legal stuff in the constitution that describes how many offices they have or you know, different positions in the church and that kind of stuff. But really the statement of faith, what they believe about the word of God. You need to make sure that what that is and what it says and that it's something that you are in agreement with. This Judgeton Church says that they are neither Unitarian, interfaith, or secular. Nope, it's just a good old-fashioned congregation. I don't know how they fit old-fashioned in there, but that's what they said. Judson is a tri-affiliated group with, with ties to the United Church of Christ, with the American Baptist, and the Alliance of Baptists. And the result is one heck of a denominational fruitcake. That's on their website. It's one heck of a denominational fruitcake. Um, okay. But you, they're putting it out there what they believe. And really a church should not be shy about saying what they believe. But what you're looking for is you want to find somebody that believes this book. That holds to and follows the word of God. That is what is preeminent. It's, it's not about our, our ideas or our, our social programs or our, uh, you know, our political agenda. It's about the Word of God and lifting up Jesus Christ and Him alone. And that's what you want to try and, and find. So you get a copy of their Constitution so you can know what they believe. Then, how many of you know that just because they have a Constitution that says one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're doing? <laughs> I mean, that's the, the, the truth of the matter is, is, is sometimes, especially in our church, was just founded in 2004. But there are some churches that have been in existence for hundreds of years. And so they might have a constitution that was their founding document that's been around for that time. But a long time ago, they left those things. And, and so you need to get the constitution and find out what's in print. But then you also need to consider their positions. Consider their positions Look at what are they actually practicing in the church? What are they doing? What, what is it, not just what it says on paper... But what are they doing? Ephesians 5, 25 and 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle. Listen, the church shouldn't be something that... It should be a reprieve from the world. From the things that are out there. Not just another nightclub. Not just another place that you, you gather together and have good social programs. It's a place where you get and sit around and, and see the word of God and are drawn into the presence of God through the prayers of God's people that are, that are walking with God and, and your heart is touched by God. That's what we want. So you want to consider their positions. What's their positions on the word of God? On the word of God. I believe that you ought to go to a church that holds to the King James Version of the Bible. How many of you understand that Satan, as a tactic from the book of Genesis until today, as a tactic of Satan, he has always attacked the Word of God? That's been his plan. From the beginning of time, he, his, and so what is he going to do to, let's say, water down, to weaken, to lessen the impact of the Word of God. He'll, he'll get it 
in different versions. Interpretations, other people, that lots of different writings. Oh, it's a modern version. It's a, it's a more easily understood, um, you know, you go all the way down and they have, I'm not even going to go down this road. Let me just encourage you. I mean, you see, do those versions have some of the Bible in it? Yes, they do. But if I had a cup up here and it had strychnine in it and it was 99% water, just a little bit of strychnine, you'd say, well, no, I don't want it. So why are so many people satisfied with a diluted copy of the Word of God? I would say let's try and hold to, for us, the English-speaking world at this time, to the closest thing to the originals is the King James Version. And so that's what we try and hold to here. And I would encourage you, if you say, well, I don't know, I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, uh, let me just encourage you to study it out some. And, and you know, just dig into it a little bit and, and try and get a, a working and understanding of that. I know that many people use a lot of different versions today. Um, but I would encourage you to try and find a place that holds to the King James to at least stay as close to the Word of God as possible. Then you need to see what is... What they believe on the, on the Bible, what do they believe about missions, about worldwide missions? This is important. Do they have a missions program? Are they involved in reaching the world, or are they just, just them and no more? Do they have some, some kind of program where they're reaching out into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost? And they ought to have something. It ought to be an active program that's promoted and participated in by the congregation. And, and try and learn a little bit about what that is. Look at their missions wall. We have one back there. And hopefully uh, any, any good church that has a thriving missions program is going to have some place where you can learn about it. Some type of a wall or a board or a, a bulletin board or something's going to be up there where you can learn about the missions program of the church. Find out what they do and what the, how they practice soul winning. Do they have an active outreach ministry? Do they go out into their own community and present people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's not just about reaching the world. No, we give money to, to reach people in, in uh, Africa or we reach people in India. But are they actively in their communities reaching people? Are they participating in that? What is their regards? I'm talking about a church you're planning to join. You look at it and say, well, I believe... I want to know what they're doing with regards to reaching their community. Is there a soul-winning program? Is there something where they're out reaching the lost? Then find out what they believe about personal and ecclesiastical separation. Personal and ecclesiastical separation. The Bible tells us very clearly, come out from among them and be separate. The Bible tells us, be ye holy because God is holy. He wants Christians to live holy, clean, separated lives. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. But that's very clearly taught in scriptures. So a church shouldn't be bringing the world into the church. We ought to be doing all we can to kind of hedge the tidal wave of the world that's washing over us. Hold that back as much as possible. So do they believe in ecclesiastical separation? Do they believe in personal separation? Um... As I began in the beginning, you talked about the idea, you know, carefully in who, who you hang around. If the church is going to have this much influence on us, we want to be in the right church. Well, if the church is just bringing everything in the world and all of the, the world, you can't tell anything different from what's out at a nightclub to what's in the auditorium. There's a problem. There should be some difference in God's people. 
Jesus saved us to change us into his image, to make us like him. That's what Christian is. It's Christ-like. And that takes personal separation. What is the preacher going to preach on with regards to personal separation? Is like, is he said, well, um, it's not really my place to talk about those kind of things. Uh, or is he going to say sin is sin? Right is right. This is what we need to be doing. This is what we need to be avoiding. Is he going to be willing to say those things and deal with that idea of personal separation? You know, if you had a personal trainer, you wouldn't go find a personal trainer that was overweight. (laughs) The personal trainer that was, you know... He was sitting there in the in the foyer of the gym and jumping on donuts. And you come in, you're like, man, I'm looking for a personal trainer. It looks like you're what I need. No, you find the guy that's, you know, looks like he was chiseled out of a rock. <laughs> and you say, man, you're the, you're the guy I need. I need some help. You know, and he's going to come and, and help you get get in shape, right? You don't find somebody that's got the same problem you have. <laughs> you want somebody that has found some victory in that area and said, hey, uh, let me help you. This is possible. And you're looking at him and you're like, yeah, it is. Wow. Okay, let's do it. You know, and he motivates you and gives you uh, encouragement to do that. You know, you don't need a pastor that's just like the world. You need a pastor that's practicing personal holiness, that, that's living uh, what he's preaching that's being an example. And that's what, that's what you're looking for when you're looking for a church. You want to try and find that. Personal and ecclesiastical separation. Ecclesiastical separation, that's a big word, but it just means church, ecclesiastical. Uh, and do they, do, does the church separate from not just the world, but from other what you would call religious groups? How many of you know there's a lot of goofy religious groups out there? There's a lot of groups that really, they engage in some pretty funny stuff, okay? And, and I'm not going to get into it, but I'm just saying you got to be careful as a church who you partner up with. And listen, I think that there's a problem with homelessness and that there's a lot of needy people on the streets. And we go down to the Baltimore Rescue Mission and we hold services there and we are involved in that a little bit. Uh, you know, not as much as we can or should, but we do do that. But what I'm saying is we as a church don't want to partner up with all of the other uh, communities of faith out here and let's go down and, and, and feed the poor. You say, why? Well, first of all, because that's not the mission of the church. But if we want to have a ministry where we go feed the poor, let's go do that. But what happens when churches come together, a bunch of churches, you'll find that the lowest common denominator is where everybody goes to, whatever that is. The lowest common denominator. Because there's all these different groups of faith that we're going to come together. And, oh, we want to... We'll, instead of lifting each other up, they'll usually almost always come down to the lowest common denominator. And that common denominator can be pretty low. And not just on matters of dress or separation or music, but on the doctrine of Jesus Christ. On... 
that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. On that uh, you're saved by, by grace through, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which washes away our sins. And some believe that Jesus was a man just like us, that he wasn't God, that he was a good prophet. What I'm saying is you've got to be careful just joining up with a bunch of groups. So you need to know, does the church practice ecclesiastical separation? Do they try and stand uh, against that? Then you want to consider the pattern of the church, the pattern. What is their pattern over a period of time? How have they been progressing and doing? The Trail of Blood is a, an amazing historical book. It looks at the sacrifices given by many, many people that uh, stood for for biblical principles and for the their beliefs in Jesus Christ, and ultimately they lost their life in that book, The Trail of Blood. But if you look at that or consider it, it's the pattern that they stood for. This church I mentioned in New York, Judson has a program that they call Arts Wednesdays. They say it's completely free, completely uncensored, creative arm of Judson Memorial Church, a sacred and profane place that has nurtured artists and their work for decades. A sacred and profane place. I want you to know that there is no place in the church for the profane. That shouldn't be part of the church. What is their pattern that they've set? And I'm just going to kind of list off some things, and if you're, if you're keeping notes, I might move kind of quickly, but they need to make sure that Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head. You know some churches out there that Christ isn't the head? The founder is the head. The, the leader is the head. The, the, the original uh, group that started it was the head. But you see, Jesus is the head. He, that's what the Bible tells us. Christ in Matthew sixteen eighteen says, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it in Colossians 1 verse 18 he says and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead Jesus Christ is the head and he is to be the ultimate leader of the church and so make sure is, is Christ the head uh, many churches today can't say that um, what is their final rule for faith and practice it should be the word of God right this should be the guiding book, the final rule for faith and practice. You know what? If there's something in our Constitution, and, and even the Constitution of Hunt Valley Baptist Church, and our statement of faith that doesn't line up with this, this is the authority. And our Constitution, we need to hold a meeting as a church and say, hey, this, the Constitution needs to be changed, not the Word of God changed. Because this is the final authority as a church. And so you need to see, is Christ the head? Is the Word of God their... their Final rule for faith in practice. Um, I believe the name of a church is important. When we bought this building, we bought it, bought this building from a non-denominational group. And the pastor was standing here with us, and, and uh, he said, well, I think you guys will do really, really well here. And we said, Willie. And he says, yeah, I think so. Uh, and we said, why is that? And he says, well, because you have Baptists in your name, and that means people know what you believe. And... He said it himself. He said, you know, we're, we're non-denominational. We're, we're Pleasant Hill Chapel, and people don't know what we believe. 
they don't have any idea. They come here and they're like, well, what do you believe? What do you practice? What do you? They don't have any knowledge when they come through the door what we are. And he said, we found it very hard to reach people that way. And so I think it's important, the name of the church. You know, I, I believe you ought to find a name. And I don't think they should be ashamed to put it on there, what they believe and, and the name that they have. Um, do they observe the two ordinances left for us by God? The two ordinances, believers' baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are the only two ordinances that are left. They don't, we don't have any others. Those are what are found in the Word of God. So believers' baptism and the Lord's Supper, do they follow those? Um, look and consider the officers of the church. In the Word of God, we find pastors and deacons. There's other leaders and people that can be involved in administrating the church, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But you're learning about this church, like if you're going to be a part of it. Okay, What is its work? What is it involved in? We've talked about these things. Are they reaching people with the gospel? Are they seeing people saved, baptized, and discipled, and added to the church like we're given in the Great Commission? Um, what is its financial plan? What is it doing with regards to finances? How are the finances handled? The tithes and offerings that come into the church, the committed gifts and things? Consider these things. And lastly, this, this evening, you want to consider the pastor. Consider the pastor. Can I read for you a bio of a pastor? This is a pastor looking for a position. He said, I view my pastoral calling as a daily chance to nurture the curiosity and the, cre the creativity of everyone. I love working with artists, and I love making artists out of people who don't think they are one. I think Christianity is inherently queer, and I paint my nails to show my commitment to a continual requeering of the gospel. I adore glitter because it gets my palms messy and reminds me that the work of spirituality and art and justice in this world are not clean. It's not a pretty process, but a sticky and gritty one. I prefer questions over answers, weird over normal, and funny over perfect. That's his bio. What I'm saying is you need to look at the pastor and find out what does he believe. So when you go to a church, say, hey, can I meet with the pastor? Can I take you to lunch? Or can we meet at the church on Monday or Tuesday or sometime? You just sit, sit down with them and just say, hey, what, what do you believe with regards to the word of God? What do you believe about, uh, about this or, or that? I mean, how, how are things handled here at the church? Just sit down with them. You're thinking about coming there and you're going to sit under his teaching. You know, sometimes we've had people come to visit here at the church and they come one time. And they come up and they're like, I want to join the church, man. This was amazing. And I always tell them, I say, you need to come a little while. I mean, I'm excited that you want to join the church and we'd love to have you as a part of the church. But why don't you come for two or three weeks? Come to, come to some more services and learn a little bit more about us. And then let's sit down and talk about it. And, I, and I'm excited that you want to join, but I don't, I don't, let's not rush into it. You need to learn what a church really believes. In one service, I mean, you know what? What do they say about a blind squirrel? <laughs> and that pastor might have had a great sermon that day, but like a blind squirrel gets one once in a while. And, and you know, I'm lucky that way too. I get one, a good sermon once every six or eight months, you know. And the rest of the time, church just puts up with me. And uh, they're waiting for that one that's decent, right? But what, the, what does he believe? Sit down and talk to the pastor and find out, you know, what, what, his, what he's like. And is he standing on the word of God? 
Now listen, it's not about the personality of the pastor. Okay, we're not lifting up and promoting the personality. And I know sometimes personality plays a big part. Um, but uh, you need to find out, does he love God? Does he walk with God? Does he have a personal walk with God? Does he love people? Is he going to spend time with people? Is he going to be there when you need him? When you call him at 2 in the morning and you're on your way to the hospital, is he going to answer? Is he going to be there when your daughter is sick? What kind of a person is he? Does he love people? Is he going to be that uh, pastor? That's what a pastor is. The under-shepherd of the flock. So you've got to look and talk to him and try and get a feeling for this. Does he meet the qualifications that are given to us in First Timothy chapter number 3? And I don't have time tonight to teach on those. But uh, there's a list of qualifications there. You ought to at least meet the qualifications. And then we're not going to go through all of those. But if you say, well, what are those? Just They're real self-explanatory. They're real basic. You know, husband of wife, one wife, you know, not a novice, um, not, not given to anger, uh, apt to teach. Uh, you know, there's, there's a list of things there in First Timothy 3. So look at those and find out, does he meet those qualifications? Um, and then on a practical note, look at their web page. Look at their Facebook page. Again, meet with the pastor and get their constitution. Those are just some steps on how to, how to choose a church.